Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lyons, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapters 12 through 14 called, If a Man Dies, Will He Live Again? This is Job 14, 14. Job says, If a man dies, will he live again? All the days of my struggle, I will wait until my change comes. Job asked the fundamental question of every age of man, if a man dies, will he live again? It's the question that's been wrestled with by humanity, by philosophers, as people have tried to tap into the fountain of youth, as people have asked questions about other religions, about reincarnation, about, you know, what is truth? Is man really uh, a higher being made in the image of God, made to live forever? Is he just some sort of elevated animal who has a little higher capacity to think and reason? Therefore, he asks deep and philosophical questions that the animals don't get to. That's the question that I think when we're asking in reality, is man, as Lauren Isley put it, just a cosmic orphan? He's bound to ask these big questions, but he has no really exhilarating answers. William Lane Craig, who's been a really a, an apologist on the front lines and an expert on many uh, of these issues, including the resurrection, said that the enlightenment really didn't do much for man because once man eliminated God from the equation, all the answers that he found were dark. If there is no God, then there is no afterlife. Then this is all there is. And you can then join the, the troops that are now saying that DNA is all there is and we just kind of dance to its music and some people get lucky and some people don't. And some people live a long life and some people don't. And some people get cancer and some people don't. And it's just kind of just the roll of the dice. But the Bible has a very different story, doesn't it? And the Bible, in the book, all the way back in the book of Job, and remember when Job asked the question about if a man dies, if a woman dies, will they live again? He's asking the question in the midst of unbelievable suffering. This man probably saved Jesus Christ except for Jesus Christ has suffered more than any human being that we may ever know of. He hasn't died himself, but he, he's gone through this cumulative suffering of loss and destitution, and his wife even couldn't encourage him. I mean, it's, it's been tough. And now his comforters, so-called, his so-called friends have come from a distance only to more, add to more agony to his heart. Notice his response. He's responding to Zophar in chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Job responded, and they go back and forth between Job responding to the so-called comforters. He's in the immediate context, he's responding to Zophar, but really to all of the comforters, all three that have spoken. He says, truly then, Job 12, 2, you are the people, and with you wisdom will die. If you have a New Living Translation, it says, you people really know everything, don't you? And when you die, wisdom will die with you. 
We might put it in a modern phrase. You guys think you're all that and a bag of chips and a cookie, don't you? You think that you've cornered the market on wisdom, don't you? You think that you've nailed the reason that I'm suffering, the reason that I've gone through the losses that I've gone through. Job responds like a man who can't take it anymore. You've probably all been there before where you just can't take one more negative comment. You can't take one more bad driver on the freeway. (laughs) You can't take one more negative criticism of your work, of your personality. Fill in the blank. So Job says, well, I guess you guys know everything. Job is being sarcastic because he's deeply wounded. His losses have hurt. His wife has wounded him. His body's racked with pain. His mind is swimming with questions. But worst of all, Job is hurt because he believes that God has become his enemy. It's one thing when the whole world turns against you. It's another thing when the one being that you thought you could depend on when all else failed apparently now has become your enemy or considers you his enemy. At the moment, how can anyone blame Job for acting the way he's acting, for asking the questions he's asking? One writer says, when Job says, the people or you people, it denotes the upper class, the landed nobility, the kind of people who really matter in the world's eyes. Now, I think it would be good for us, all of us, to pause for a moment and take an aerial view of the book of Job and ask the question, why are we reading this? Why is this content in our Bibles? There's a couple of reasons, and one of the reasons I've put before you is to show you that there is such a thing in the Bible as redemptive suffering, and I'll add something to that and call that righteous suffering. Job is a righteous man who is suffering. Not all suffering is the result of sin or unrighteousness in your life. That's one of the big ideas of the book of Job that we've been trying to land on is that not everything that happens in this world is a result of unrepentant sin or a result of something we did wrong. And I've been telling you that Job's suffering is pointing us to the greater Job's suffering. His name is Jesus. Jesus had questions too. You may remember in Mark 15, 34, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried. The English translation are these words. My God, my God. Do you remember? Why? Why have you forsaken me? A little bit before that, the night before that, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Gospel of John tells us that his heart was troubled. He felt a lot of heaviness about what he was going to face, and he cried to the Father, and he said, Father, if it's possible, would you please let this cup pass from me? That's why when you pray to Jesus, when you pray to your great high priest in heaven, who is still human, theologians would agree that he is still the God-man, 100% God, 100% man. That's why you need to know that he can understand your suffering. He knows what it means to be rejected, to be betrayed by a friend, 
to have his lead apostle tell him he would die for him and then deny him three times. Job's life reveals that a committed believer will at times encounter disciplinary or loving suffering from the hand of the Father. But sometimes the committed faithful believer will suffer righteously. Jesus is the prime example of righteous suffering, but there are others. Stephen in the book of Acts, he confronts the Sanhedrin and they stoned Stephen and he's forgiving the, those who stoned him while he's dying. He becomes just like his master. And in the book of Acts chapter nine, the Lord's talking to Ananias. Ananias has questions about this Saul who's gonna become Paul. And Jesus says to Ananias, go. He, he, Saul, who becomes Paul, is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. And I will show him, Acts 9.16, how much he must suffer for me. That's the commissioning of the Apostle Paul. I will show him how much he must suffer for me. And this is nothing new because if we open our eyes to the Bible, we know that even Jesus gave a mandate to take up your cross and follow him. I know that a lot of us don't put those verses on our refrigerator in the morning, but the truth of the matter is that the righteous will suffer. And I think that one of the ways that you need to see the book of Job is medicine for the soul of the sufferer. That's why a lot of us have opened the book of Job at strategic moments in our own Christian journey. Maybe it's a book that we kind of neglected. We knew the basic story of Job, but now we've been going verse by verse. And a lot of the faces I see here are faces that started at the beginning. Praise the Lord. Because we're learning a lot from the book of Job. See, we need to be reminded of the reality that Job is suffering, but not for unrighteousness. He's been judged by his friends, but he's been judged wrongly. And it is true that you can't always judge the substance of a book by its cover. So Job's comforters and critics give their speeches. Job is frustrated. And so he basically says, oh, I get it now. You guys have cornered the, the market on wisdom. But I have, verse 3, intelligence as well as you. NIV, I have a mind. ESV, I have understanding. I'm not inferior to you. And who does not know such things? Zophar in chapter 11, verse 12, not only implied, he pretty much said that Job was an idiot. He almost, beyond implied, saying, Job, there's no hope for you. If you can't figure this out by now, well then, I don't know what we're going to do with you. By the way, side note for you Bible students, this is Job's longest speech. That's why we're going to try to take the whole chunk here. And we'll break it down as we go. Job says, verse 4, chapter 12, he says, I am a joke. I'm a laughing stock, NIV, ESV, to my friends. The one who called on God and answered him, and he answered him, the just and blameless man is a joke. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. 
Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. Job says, verse 4, chapter 12, he says, I am a joke, I'm a laughing stock, NIV, ESV, to my friends. The one who called on God and answered him, and he answered him, The just and blameless man is a joke. Can you imagine what Job has gone through? He was probably one of the most respected men of the East. He had a huge uh, property. He had servants. He had animals. He was a righteous man with a blameless reputation. And now he's sitting on an ash heap and he's lost everything. Job is probably the modern example of a man who would be all, all on the tabloids in the supermarket line. Job's disaster. Job's fall. Job, a joke? Question mark. More in the next issue of the Inquirer. Because inquiring minds want to know. Ooh, look at Job. He looks awful. Oh, he looks terrible. He was so good looking before. Now he's got boils everywhere. There's even one on the tip of his nose. That's how people are. People normally celebrate the demise of people who are doing well. That's why those magazines sell. Because we, we look, oh, look at that. Boy, poor soul. Man, I guess compared to him, I'm doing all right. Job says, I'm a joke to you guys. I had a reputation. I had good things. But he says, he who is at ease holds calamity and contempt. Verse 5 as prepared for those whose feet slip NIV, men at ease have contempt for misfortune. The men who look on and comment with contempt are not living the calamity. Their system of beliefs make, makes them untouchable. Job's misfortune is clear evidence to them of unrepentant and unforgiven sin. As Shakespeare put it, he jests at scars that never felt a wound. Close quote. It's funny to people who have never been in the pain that you've been in. They can look at you and they minimally cannot relate. Or more than that, some people just think, wow, maybe they're overreacting. Maybe, are they getting, going a bit overboard or going too far? The idea here of the feet slipping is they deserved it. Their feet were so close to slipping anyway. Job's crisis is his, is his fault. And then Job says, the tents of the destroyer, destroyers prosper. And those who provoke God are secure. 
whom God brings into their power. Ironically, the, the ungodly, the opposite of Job, are at peace and secure. Job says, what's wrong with this picture? Sometimes it makes me want to scream. Ever been there before? Why that person is doing so well, I know they're the most corrupt individual living on the planet right now. But eventually, even that corruption comes out, as I'm sure you've noticed with all the news stories that come out one after the other. But now, Job says, ask the beasts, let them teach you. The birds of the heavens, let them tell you, verse 8, or to the earth, let it teach you. Let the fish of the sea declare to you, who among all these does not know? that the hand of the Lord has done this, in whose hand is the life of every living thing, the breath of all mankind? Does not the ear test words, the palate taste its food, as the palate tastes its food? Wisdom is with aged men, with long life is understanding. One writer says it's likely that verses 7 through 12 is Job parroting what his friends have said to him. Note the pronouns you, you, you. Let the heavens tell you. Let it each teach you. Let the fish of the sea declare to you. They've told Job that the beasts and the birds know these ABCs about life. You reap what you sow. Even the fish under the sea could tell you. Some of you remember that movie. Under the sea. Under the sea. Hey, Job, as the bubbles are going up to the surface, you know how this works, don't you? People mess up. They get what's coming to them. That's the way the world works. Religion, philosophy, you name it. And Job is saying, you think you have the wisdom. With him are wisdom and might, 13. To him belong counsel and understanding. Behold, he tears down and it cannot be rebuilt. He imprisons a man and there can be no release. Behold, he restrains the waters and they dry up. He sends them out and they inundate the earth. Verses 13 through 15, Job reiterates God's sovereignty and power. Part of what Job is saying is that we can't put God in a box. He is good, but he's not tame. Or as we learn in the C.S. Lewis stories, he's good, but he's not always safe. (laughs) And here's God. And God has a history of doing these kinds of things like he inundates the earth with a flood. He tears down and who can rebuild? He imprisons. Jonah tried to run from him and Jonah ended up in prison three days in the belly of a great sea monster. He restrains the waters and he dries them up. He dried up the path of the Red Sea. He sends them out to inundate the earth. He flooded the earth. God is strong and powerful. He has control over natural disasters. He flooded the world in judgment. He used a fish to track down Jonah and bring him back to his mission. What is Job saying, you ask, simply this? Maybe your system, in quotes, how you've put God in a box is not really how God is at all. See, God is God and God does what he pleases. He God, me not. He made the world and the universe, I did not. And Job is saying, maybe, guys, maybe we need to leave a little wiggle room for God doing things outside of our box that we've created. With him, 16, our strength and sound wisdom, the misled and the misleader belong to him. He makes counselors, notice all the lofty titles here, walk barefoot, he makes fools of judges. He loosens the bond of kings, binds their loins with a girdle. He makes priests, religious leaders, walk barefoot and overthrows the secure ones. He deprives the trusted ones of speech, takes away the discernment of the elders, the respected leaders of a culture. He pours contempt on nobles and loosens the belt of the strong. I'm sure you can think of your stories of counselors, judges, kings, priests, and nobles, elders, who felt so secure, looked so discerning, so solid, and their life was turned upside down in a microsecond. 
How about old Nebuchadnezzar? Goes out on his patio. This is the great Babylon that I have built. <laughs> God hears and says, oh yeah, Nebuchadnezzar? I'll tell you what's going to happen. Your hair is going to grow long. You're going to paint your long fingernails. You're going out on the lawn and you're going to eat grass for seven years until you realize I'm running the universe, not you. You've been listening to If a Man Dies, Will He Live Again? Part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapters 12 through 14. And please follow Walk in Truth on social media. Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow us at Walk in Truth Show. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, this topic of if a man dies, will he live again, is so to the core of who we are and the human dilemma and the issue of death. You see, the statistics on death are quite impressive. We're all going to face it. And the question that Job asked is, if I die, or maybe more accurately, when I die, will I live again? Does the computer screen just go blank? Do we die and it's all over and we're just worm food, as it were, and there's no uh, afterlife? You know, if that were true, then Jesus would be a liar because Jesus said there was a heaven. Jesus said he was the way to heaven. Jesus said that God was the God of the living and not the dead. Jesus said in the resurrection, this is going to happen. Jesus said in the regeneration, this is going to happen. Look, Christ said there's a heaven. And that's how we have this wonderful opportunity to answer this human dilemma with, with a great emphatic Yes. Yes, we will live again. And the question is, where will you live? Will you be with the Lord forever or separated from him forever? And this is why the gospel is so important. It's great news, but there's bad news. Our sin separates us from God. Jesus Christ came to rescue us. He became the greater Job. He entered into our pain. He was the most innocent sufferer of all time forever. And he did it all for love. He loves you. Won't you respond to that love by just saying, Lord Jesus, I don't get it all. I don't understand this broken world, but I just heard that you came and entered into my pain as God in human flesh. And I believe, I believe that you died on the cross in my place. I believe that you rose from the dead and defeated death. I believe one day death will be no more. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my God. If you're a prodigal, come home. Don't spend another moment in that pig pen with the mud. Come home. Your father's waiting for you. Repent of your sin and trust in Jesus Christ today. Hey, well, I want to encourage you. If you've been away from fellowship for a while, don't you think it's time to come back? Now, I know there's all these peripherals that we can talk about, and I'm not going to get into any of them right now. I'm just going to say that Many churches are open. Our church is open and has been for quite some time. And we invite you to come, but I just invite you to fellowship, man. You need it. it you can't be a solo Christian. And if you're an able, able-bodied person, don't you think it's time to get back to church? And you might say, well, what kind of church should I be looking for? It's been so long. Just find a place that not only says they believe in the Bible, but actually teaches it. And I would encourage you, this is my opinion now, to find an expository teaching church. What do you mean? 
I mean a church that goes through books of the Bible and lets the text speak for itself. Uh, And it would be preferable, this is my view, if they went verse by verse, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and covered how the Holy Spirit laid out the book and let it speak for itself. And you say, well, how do I find out if that's their style? You can call, you can read their doctrinal statement, but before you physically go to a church, maybe check out a couple of the sermons that they have posted. I'm sure they probably have them there and you can get a good flavor for the church. Now, there's always our fellowship, our church, and I think it's pretty good. And it's called Living Truth and it's in the city of Corona. And on Sundays, we meet at 10 a.m. We have one single service right now. It's so sweet to have the whole church together. We have great worship. We're going through the incredible book of Exodus right now. And we invite you to come. It's at 1009 Arsenal Way, Living Truth in the city of Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. Hey, you can sit outside if you want to, if you're more comfortable, or if you're not within driving distance, you can uh, catch the service on our YouTube channel. It does live stream at 10 a.m. And you can connect to that when you go to walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. This is Pastor Michael. So glad you're listening. Keep us in prayer. We love you and appreciate you. And we'll talk to you real soon. Just a reminder that we've skipped over some of Pastor Michael's teachings in the book of Job, but you can listen or watch those teachings when you download our free Living Truth app. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars. And join us on Monday for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Job chapters 12 through 14 called, If a Man Dies, Will He Live Again? I'm Mike Massaro. Have an awesome weekend. And thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.